Welcome to Still Growing in Grace, a weekly program dedicated to inspiring joy, giving hope, and delighting in grace. This program is brought to you by Hope Fellowship, your community church located on the second floor of the St. Jacob's Outlet Mall. I'm Pastor Mike Zenker, and for the next half hour, I'll be sharing with you a message of hope that will help you expand your understanding of God's love and amazing grace. So many are tired of trying harder to live the Christian life. I've got great news for you. You can stop trying. God already deeply loves you, totally accepts you, and really, really likes you. Enjoy today's program as we dig deeper into what it means to be still growing in grace. Hello and welcome back to Still Growing in Grace. I hope last week was very exciting for you. It may have upset some people because there may have been new information shared with you. Well, I promise you I'm not sharing anything new here. Everything I'm sharing with you has been proclaimed for two centuries. It is old news that we may not have been told. Just because it's new to you does not make it new. It just means it's new to you. Uh, Again, I want to begin today's program by thanking those who've uh, connected with me, uh, saying thank you for listening. You've written emails to me, expressed where you're from. On Facebook, you've messaged me and uh, said hello and told me that you're too tuning in. Uh, I love hearing from you. So thank you for that. I encourage those who have not done so yet, please drop me a line, especially if you if you are in Kitchener-Waterloo area. I'd love to know you're listening locally. Uh, that'd be absolutely fantastic. Uh, it makes this worse, worthwhile because I want to know that what I'm sharing is being heard and shared and that you're being encouraged by it. If you have questions, please email me, mike at growingingrace.ca, and I'll totally uh, try and answer any questions or bring them into the program here and address it as a topic on the show. This show is brand new still. I'm trying to develop a a pattern of laying a healthy foundation of knowing your identity in Christ, who God is, what he has done for us and to us, and uh, walk away encouraged. So each when, or sorry, each Tuesday, I'm here to encourage you uh, with a good news message, only good news, because there is no more condemnation for you and I. It is over. So last week, we began our talk with the idea of How does Jesus view sin and humanity? And we've been going through discovering that Jesus came to make an end of sin, to put it away. And not just for for a few people, but we have seen several times that it is for the entire world that he has put away sin. Again, you got to look up these verses yourself, the ones I'm sharing. Please go on to YouTube, go on to uh, the podcast here on the show. You can go to growingingrace.ca. You'll see links below to the weekly podcast, to the YouTube channel, where you can catch up on previous programs or go back and, and figure out, did Mike just say that? I don't think that sounds right. I, I need to go back and make sure that he, did he really say that? So that's why I'm putting this out there. I want you to know this is not just a radio show where it gets lost after it's aired, but it is saved and sent out again around the world through a podcast and YouTube, and it's archived so you can go back and catch up. This is going to become a great place 
As you and I meet people who need to know who they are in Christ, they may have grown up in a very religious heritage and are, are hungry for some freedom. This is where you can point them to, and it's a very gentle, slow journey of growing in grace. None of us have arrived. We are all still growing. So let's get back to what we ended with last week. Uh, we were looking at 1 John 2, uh, verse 12. In the New Living Translation, it was, says, I am... I am writing to you who are God's children because your sins, listen to this, have been forgiven through Jesus. Is that past tense uh, or is it future tense? Is it now? It's past tense. It's a finished work. It is done. Romans 8.1, this, this is the first Sorry, Romans chapter 8, verse 1. It begins this chapter by saying, so now the case is closed. Obviously, the first seven chapters have been about building a case. And even on this program, I'm building a case for you and I. Systematically, if you've missed a week, go back and catch up. There is good news here. You're not going to miss everything, but you may not realize where I've come from and that I've already built a a strong case for where I'm going. Uh, So in Romans 8, 1, it says this. So the case is closed. There remains no accusing voice of condemnation against those who are joined in life union with Jesus, the anointed one. That is awesome. There is so much condemnation going on in this world. There's so much accusation going on. I grew up always being told, you can't do anything right, Mike. You, You always fail. You always say the wrong thing. Oh, be quiet, Mike. And I, you know what I did? I didn't say things right. I always screwed up. I believed the lies that were told to me. I began to take in all those messages from everyone else, and it affected how I saw myself and how I saw everyone. I saw myself as unliked, unvalued, and since I had an insecurity, I tried even harder to get liked, and I was trying to get my identity from what I did by pleasing people. I've since discovered my identity is not found in my behavior, but my identity is found in Jesus Christ. And as soon as that revelation hit me, then my behavior began to match the revelation of my identity in Christ. That's why I'm doing this program. I just love it. It's such a a changing of the mind. It's been beautiful. Again, back to the topic of how God sees sin. In Romans 5.10, it says this, For if, while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, we will be saved by his life. If you're listening on air, you're probably probably not going to catch this. Not until you open your Bible and look at this text, Romans 5.10. There's something significant I never saw before. Not until the last number of years. This is huge, huge. For if, while we were enemies, okay, that's the key line. It's while we were enemies, while we were blind, while we were in our trespasses. There was never a time where we were searching for God. God was searching for us. It was the other way around. Uh, This is a lesson for you and I to be careful of how we speak to people, how we tell them, you need to find God. You know, uh, search for God and you'll find him. What are you talking about? 
God is searching for them. They just need to wake up and open their eyes. They are blind. They need to see. They're, they, they can't hear. They're deaf. Give them ears to hear. Be, they're in darkness. Give them light. You and I are that light. And the light has been placed in us. And so here it says in Romans 5, while we were enemies, it's while we were enemies. It was then that he reconciled us. So while we're reconciled, we were enemies at the time we got reconciled. You didn't even say the prayer yet. You didn't even ask for forgiveness yet. You didn't even have a revelation of God's love for you. And you were reconciled while you were still blind in that place. While you couldn't even beg for your forgiveness. Before you could even give thanks for the salvation that was coming to you and, and already at you and in you and through you. You couldn't even do that because it's while we were enemies. God reconciled us. This is how God sees our sin. It's been done. We have been reconciled. Past tense. A relationship restored. Romans 8.3. I love this text. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. Jesus says to sin in no uncertain terms, sin, you're going to die. <laughs> That's what's happened here in this verse in Romans 8. The law, we think we're going to follow a law to become righteous. The scriptures prove following the law will lead you to even more sin. It's actually fertilizer. It fertilizes sin. It increases sin, not, not brings it down to less. I'll deal with that topic later, so don't, don't get too crazy on me here, but I promise I will deal with that one. It's a very easy verse. Uh, you can do a Google search yourself. But right now, again, I'm trying to show you and I where and how God sees and views our sin, and the number one chorus of this song today is, He sees it as forgiven. That means you are already forgiven. In 1 Peter 2.24, it says, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. Wow. That is insane. Jesus did this at the cross. He bore our sin for us, the sin of the world. That's what the scripture says. I'm not making this up. 2 Corinthians 5.21. For our sake, he made him who made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Wow, Jesus became sin for us. <laughs> Wait a minute. I thought the Old Testament said God is too holy and can't handle seeing sin. Um, no, not at all. In fact, that verse that you think is in the Old Testament, and you think that's what it means, go find it. Go read it again. Oh, wait, keep reading, because a little later it says, if, you, if you're too holy to look upon sin, then why do you? <laughs> yeah. And here in 2 Corinthians, it's reminding us, he became sin, and then he died, so we could become the righteousness of God. This is good news today. 1 Corinthians 13 uh, most of you know this verse. Um, uh, it's, it's used at weddings, sometimes a funeral, but this is a powerful verse that usually we do not associate with the forgiveness of sin or how God views sin. 
Well, maybe today we can open our eyes and see a fresh lens. 1 Corinthians 13 verses 4 and 5, it says, Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It keeps no record of wrongs. The word resentful is more directly uh, uh, translated to count up your wrongdoing. Other translations will say it keeps no record of wrongs. Why am I bringing up this this, uh, 1 Corinthians 13? Because this is true. Because we don't even understand what this is. We think this is the to-do list for believers. We think, oh, love is patient, love is kind. We're supposed to be love. We're supposed to be, so we're supposed to be patient. We're supposed to be kind. And we tell couples when you go to the wedding altar, this is your to-do list to prove your love to one another. It is not a to-do list. The word agape in this text, in the Greek, is the word love. Or we, the word love here is, comes from the word agape, which means others-centered love. Others-centered. There's three other words that are used for love in the Greek language. There's phileo, which is a friendship love. There's uh, um, storge, which is more of a parental love. And there's eros, which is erotic. And actually, it means more about taking love, where this is the exact opposite. The word here, agape, is others-centered. And this literally describes who God is. God is love, which we covered a number of weeks back. It's not an attribute of God. It is his essence. God is agape. And agape just told us it keeps no record of wrongs. Why? Because your wrongs have been forgiven. You are clean. You are pure. Please think about that today. Uh, I hope you'll join me for the second half as soon as we hear a couple words from our sponsors, but this is getting really exciting. I'll see you in just a moment. Looking for a real estate agent that will put your needs before his? Terry Van Lenth is just that agent. Caring and honest are just two of Terry's best qualities, and they shine through in his real estate career. As a longtime resident of Waterloo Region, Terry is well acquainted with the area and its multitude of attractive amenities. For an agent that cares, call Terry Van Lenth at Coldwell Banker Peter Benninger Realty, 519-742-5800, extension 2060. Are you looking for an encouraging church where you'll discover hope in God who truly loves and accepts you? Hope Fellowship in North Waterloo meets every Sunday at 1030 and the great coffee is only the first thing you'll appreciate. If you're looking for a safe place, a relaxed community of people who want to grow in the freedom of God's grace, welcome to Hope Fellowship, second floor of the St. Jacob's Outlet Mall. Learn more at hopefellowshipycc.com and they do have that great coffee. All right. It's been just a moment. Thank you for coming back to join me in the second half of Still Growing in Grace. We uh, just finished talking about 1 Corinthians 13, that love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, does not boast, is not arrogant, is not rude, doesn't insist on its own way, isn't irritable, isn't resentful. Oh, by the way, if love, agape, God, is not irritable, huh, then what are we so afraid of? What is preventing us from approaching God with complete confidence? He's not ticked off. If he was, what would he be possibly ticked off with? And all of us in the religious world would say, sin, immediately. 
Uh, hello, everyone. The last two weeks, all we're dealing with is just the evidence that our sin has been taken away. Sin is no longer the issue. Your belief is the issue, not sin. What do you believe? And I'm trying to point you to some really, really exciting scriptures. I want to read to you something from William Barclay in the New Testament words of the Westminster John No Press, 1964. Listen carefully to this. You may have to rewind this online uh, to hear it properly, but this is deep. If you're uh, driving, don't close your eyes. But if you are sitting in a chair and can just close your eyes and take in what I'm about to read, try and meditate on these words and hear the intent and the heart of the writer. This is going to blow your mind. The title of this, The Pardon Was For Our Benefit. Here it is. Here's what he wrote. The effect of the cross, at least in this sphere of the thought of Paul, was on man not God. Let me start that again, because this is important. I don't want you to miss this. The effect of the cross, at least in this sphere of thought of Paul, was on man, not on God. The effect of the cross changed not the heart of God, but the heart of man. It was man who needed to be reconciled, not God. It is entirely against all Pauline thought to think of Jesus Christ pacifying an angry God, or to think that in some way God's wrath was turned to love and God's judgment was turned to mercy because of something which Jesus did. When we look at it in Paul's way, it was man's sin which was turned to penitence. Man's rebellion which was turned to surrender. Man's enmity, which was turned to love. By the sacrificial love of Jesus, Jesus Christ, upon the cross. It cost that cross to make that change in the hearts of men. Wow. If you and I grew up believing in an angry God, and that Jesus came to pacify an angry, ticked-off dad, an irritable father, then this, what I just read to you, may not sit well. Or if you hear the true heart of it, you're going to find hope in it. You're going to realize, oh my goodness, I've been seeing this wrong the entire time. I thought this was Jesus doing something nice for us and and kind of pacifying God. No, 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 no. Jesus and God and the Holy Spirit did this together. There was no separation. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. And where did that happen? At the cross. That's right. There was no absence. There was no separation as we may have been told. This is such a critical foundation. This is so important for us to realize that what we believe about God's forgiveness for us as humans and how God views sin nowadays, if we have an improper, unhealthy perspective or interpretation of this particular topic, it will skew everything else that we do. Our motives will be knocked off kilter and not set on the sights or the intention of what our heavenly loving Father wants for us. And that, I believe, is 
is to love everyone else as he loves everyone else. It's our minds he wants changed. That's why this foundational teaching matters. This is a big case for forgiveness. Let's take a look at some of the things that uh, have addressed or affected the topic of sin and forgiveness from the Old Testament. Let's take a look at Adam and Eve because they seem to get blamed for an awful lot of stuff. In fact, I remember um, growing up believing that Adam and Eve, when they ate from that tree, what they were doing, they were shaking their fists in the face of God in utter intentional rebellion. And guess what? I believed that for so many years. I've since discovered that is absolutely nonsense. There's nothing in the scripture, anywhere, in any place that reflects that kind of interpretation. In fact, I believe what really happened in that garden based on what I am now reading and seeing, and as I'm discovering the love of God being better than I ever dreamed of. Remember, I was reading it through an angry God lens. Now I'm discovering he's not angry with us. He's in love with us. He's in like with us. So now I'm rereading these stories and I'm realizing, wait a minute. Adam and Eve, their first intention when they were told about the fruit was not to rebel against God. They wanted to become more like him. Their motive was pure. Can you believe that? Have you ever heard that before? That Adam and Eve's motives were probably pure in the garden? Oh my goodness. But the moment they ate from that tree, they became blind. They immediately had darkness fill their minds and they could no longer see themselves as God saw them and they could no longer see God. Remember, Adam and Eve, when when God came walking into the garden, what happened there? God came walking in. By the way, did God know Adam and Eve ate from that tree before he entered the garden to meet with him that day? Of course he did. He totally knew. Did it stop him? Oh, my kids, my kids have sinned. I can't go in there because I can't handle sin. I can't stand it, so I will not be there. No, he didn't. He said, I love my kids. I'm going after them. Something's wrong. I want them to know they're loved. And he goes after them. He makes clothes for them. They say they're naked. He says, who told you? Shame began to fill their minds. They had a false concept of God, and he wouldn't allow them to stay in that garden any longer tainted by that darkness, allowing them to keep eating from the tree of life, which is probably what kept them alive, um, uh, sustaining every nourishment that their body could need to not age. I'm guessing. This is, I've heard a couple of theories on this, but it's fun to think about. So his removal of them from the garden was for their benefit, so that when Jesus came as the last Adam, he would make right what the first Adam failed to do. The fact that the last Adam resolved the problem that had been caused by the first Adam. Jesus is the last Adam. He's not the second Adam. He's the last Adam. And what he came to do, he succeeded. When Jesus died, we all died with him. For you have died, it says in Colossians 3.3, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Did you catch that? I know Easter comes every year. And we hear about Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. How often have you heard about your death, burial, and resurrection? Has anybody told you that has happened? Has anybody told you you have been placed into Christ already? That you have already died with him? You have already been raised to him? You have already been given new life? And now 
Jesus is asking and drawing you to himself so you can believe this good news. It's already happened, but it's no good to you if you don't believe it. It's no good. Colossians 3.3 says, you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. The old you is gone. The old humanity, Adam's race is dead, gone. And a new creation has been created through and in Christ and sustained by Christ. There is only one life. It is the life of Christ. In 1 Corinthians 5.14, it says this. Again, you need to look this up because I know this verse is going to tick off somebody, but I don't care. Uh, I'm not making this up. I'm only sharing with you uh, these beautiful words which point to a better God, one who's crazy about you. 1 Corinthians 5.14 says, For Christ's love compels us. Because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. Yep, the word all is there twice. It's Christ's love that compels us. Those who are opposing this verse and think that it doesn't apply to everyone is not compelled by Christ's love. They're compelled by self-righteousness. Because if we can keep everybody else separate from us, that we are better than them, us versus them, that is a gospel of exclusion, and there's no room for it. I, I believe this verse, 1 Corinthians 5.14, for Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all, therefore all died. And when did that happen? In Christ, at the cross, the entire human Adamic race. It is good news. I hope today has been an encouragement. I got a little bit more to follow up with next week, so it'll turn into a three-parter, which is fine. This is really, really good news. I want you to be encouraged and know that God loves you, and He's not ticked off. There's nothing separating you from His love. You're forgiven. He likes you, and He wants you to believe that. I hope you'll take that to heart today. I hope you'll consider uh, uh, retweaking your perspective on who you think God is, how He sees you, and how much He loves you. Because when you do believe it, you're going to start acting like it and you'll love other people like Jesus. Thanks for tuning in today. Martin Small Engines and Auto Clinic in Elmira is more than small engines. Like their name says, Martin's is also a full-service auto clinic focused on automotive repair and service, brakes, tires, local lockout service, and so much more. Whatever you need, Martin's can do it. For that small-town feel with large shop quality, trust a team that really cares. Martin's Small Engines and Auto Clinic, Industrial Drive Elmira and martinselmira.com. Family run family owned. So their focus is on you. Conestoga Lodge Retirement Residence is a full-service retirement home in Kitchener, and you'll be impressed to know that they are not a big corporate chain. They're quality-driven with a focus on each and every individual. Conestoga Lodge offers permanent and short-term stays. To book a free, no-obligation tour, you can call 519-576-2140 or visit online at conestogalodge.com. You've been listening to Still Growing in Grace. I'm Pastor Mike Zenker, and I'd like to invite you to join me next Tuesday morning at 1130 when our teaching time will continue. Or join us at 1030 every Sunday morning at Hope Fellowship, your community church located on the second floor of the St. Jacob's Outlet Mall. 
If this show has been an encouragement to you, won't you help us spread this good news? Make your donation today by visiting stillgrowingingrace.ca. You can also catch up on past programs, watch YouTube videos of our talks, and download our weekly podcasts. Sign up for our email list and send in your questions. After all, no one has arrived, and we are all still growing in grace.